Get going. So today's daf is daf Samachalif, page 61 in the Heilige Meseches Ksubis. We pick up seven lines from the top of the Amur. We are up to Amar Ravuna. All right, Amar Ravuna, seven lines from the top of Samach Aleph, Amar Aleph. We all have the place. Let's get going. Get ready for a wild daf. All right, this Ksubis being called Shas Katan is good. Today's daf, we're going to find out. Another reason why. Amar Ravuna. Ravuna says we're continuing on dis- discussing a mother's obligation to nurse her child, even though really, as we learned before, it's a father's obligation to support his children. So why is a mother got to sit there nursing? Right? So here we go. Amar Ravuna. Ravuna says, Ravuna Barchina. Ravuna Barchina used to give us a faher. Yeah? He would bodak. He would check us out to know whether we knew our stuff with the following statement. Meres. If the mother says, Lahanik, I want to nurse my baby. Vuhu Aimer, and the husband says, Shulai Lahanik, I don't want you to nurse the baby. Now Rashi says, Why wouldn't the father want his baby to be nursed? Because he's nervous about his wife's looks while she nurses. You hear this? He's nervous, he's more concerned about his wife's form changing than his child getting nutrition. Mishuga. Says, oh, huh? so let's see. Says Zakr Vuna. Okay, Ravuna uh, said that Ravuna Barchina was checking us out, and he said, the mother wants to nurse, the father says nisht. Shaiman Lai, we listen to her, and the baby gets nursed. Why? Listen to this. Chevra, this is Halik. Tsara didahu. It's her body, it's causing her pain. If there's going to be milk and she's not able to nurse the child, you know what? Jump in the lake. Or as we say in our shir, what's the last letter of the Aleph Bays? Tough. Tsara didahu. That's it. Who I marry? The father says, Lahonik, nurse the child. The I marry, and the mama says, Shalai Lahonik, nish. I'm not doing that. Ma, what's the locha? So he says, Kol hecha de la borcha. Listen to this, it's beautiful. If it's not the normal way to nurse her child, so then, Shaiman Law, we listen to her. She doesn't need to nurse her child. Let's say the minhug in that place was people get wet nurses. The mothers don't, uh, it's, it's not a custom for the mothers to nurse the child. So, um, so she doesn't have to nurse the child. However, uh, let's say in her family, it's normal to nurse the child, but in his family, they hire wet nurses. My, what's the halacha? How often do we have this in our own marriages, right? You got a couple, get married. The wife's got one minug, the husband's got another minug, and everyone's like, oh, what's wrong with your family, right? There's a couple on the way back from Sheva Brachis. They get into their first fight. They get into their first fight. They don't know how to handle it. Nebuch. They're each staring out their own window. Staring out the window. They don't want to talk to each other. They're getting the cold shoulder. Finally, they're driving by a farm. And the husband can't control himself. He looks at his wife. He nods towards the cows. And he says, That your family? <laughs> she says, Yep, my in-laws. Okay. Here we go. So, so uh, you know, it's, it's one minute, it's not the other minute. And the answer we gave uh, Rav Huna Bar was from here. This is a big site in marriage. This is beautiful. And that is, a woman always marries up. You hear this? If a woman comes from a, situ- a financial situation where she's accustomed to a certain threshold, the husband has to offer that to her. And if she comes from a lower threshold financially and he has a higher one, he's got to support her in that way as well. Okay? So she's always going to have the upper hand 
coming into the marriage. Omar, right? They say a chassan is daim el Because when you're single, you're a melech. You got married, you're daim el <laughs> You have a queen on top of you. Here we go. Omar Ravuna says, my kara, where do you see in a pasuk azoi such a concept? Answers the Gemara, Vuhu Bu'ulas Ba'al. This woman is Bu'ulas Ba'al. She's a married woman, but it's an expression of Bu'ulas Ba'al. Now, Ba'al also is an expression of ownership. The Ilasay Shabal, which is, we're going up. It's an Aliyah for her. She's always marrying up. She moves up to the husband's standards and she doesn't move down to the husband's standards. Another Pasuk that gives off this idea that a woman's always marrying up. Chava was the mother of all living beings. That's why Adam gave her that name. All right? That's why we gave her that name, which, by the way, Rabbi Zoberstein points out that, you know, uh, Adam gave Chava the, the name of Aim Kolchai after she already did the Avera. She says, you know, if we would have been there, if we would have been Adam and she would have come to us for a name, we would have named her Mrs. Chavra Kadisha. Yeah? But Adam names her Aim Kolchai. Yeah? Even plan B in marriage is plan A. Plan A, you look at the positive, you look at the good. He, she's Aim Kolchai. Lechayim Nitna, Vulay Nitna. Life is given. Um, um, life is when a woman is given is given over to give her an uplift, to give her more life, and not for tsar, not to bring her down. Okay, biggest side we have to remember here, learning daf yaimi as husbands. Right, we got to make sure that when our, our wives are marrying us, their their lives hopefully are enhanced and improved through this relationship. All right, here at least try, at least try. At least try. You know, they say behind every woman, behind every angry woman is a man who has no clue what he did. No. <laughs> All right, let's go weiter. This is, uh, this is our achrayas. Next part of the Mishnah, two dots. The Mishnah said, we, we gave a list of seven responsibilities that a woman's responsible to do for her husband. A list of seven things we learned in the Mishnah. We said, what if she comes in with a maidservant, which we're going to see also doesn't need to be literally a maidservant, but with enough money to get a maidservant. So then she doesn't, we remove, she doesn't need to grind the flour or bake the flour for him anymore, nor do his laundry. Now it's not talking about the kid's laundry, it's talking about his laundry, all right? She has one maidservant. Then it says she brings in two maidservants, there's less of the seven, and three maidservants, all right? So now we're going to go through each of them. Now keep in mind the math. I'll tell you why. Uh, an individual wife is responsible for seven things to a husband. We gave the list of the Mishnah. If she comes in with another woman, a maidservant, now she doesn't need to do two. She does five, but two of them go to the maidservant. If she brings in two more, then... I don't understand. If this one wife could do all seven, why don't we just say to the maidservant do all seven? If one person can accomplish all seven, why are you saying if she comes with a maidservant, now the maidservant does two, and she's still a on five. Interesting thought. So that's the... Introduction to the next few pieces of Gemara. Here we go. Says the Gemara, the Shivcha does the grinding, the baking, the laundry, but the wife does the rest. I don't understand. The Tamalay, why doesn't she, the wife, say to him, I brought to you, Itisa, a woman, in my place. Let her do all of it. Answers the Gemara, Mishum da Omar La, because the husband can say back to her, Listen to this gishmak. He says, No, no, no. One woman's enough. You are enough to take care of me and you. But now, once you bring in a maidservant, there's three people in the home. Remember when we got a 
when we, when we hired a full-time helper for my bubby. She, right, bubby, you need help. We're going to hire you full-time help. She says, oh, somebody else I need to take care of now. Right? <laughs> somebody else in the house. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a Jewish mother. It's not used to anybody taking care of it. So she said, oh, no, the reason why the wife still has to do stuff is because the wife by herself could take care of her and her husband. Now that there's a third person in the house, who else needs to be taken care of? So there's still things, there's more things to be done. Beautiful. Let's keep going. Let's say she brings in two maidservants. So now she doesn't need to grind the flour, she doesn't need to bake the flour, she doesn't need to do his laundry, and she doesn't need to cook, and she doesn't need to nurse the baby. More things she doesn't need to do because there's now two women helping out. Says the Gemara, Hashar Avda, she's got to do the rest. Same question, but Tamalai, let her say to her husband, Ali it's Akriti, I got you a second woman in the house now. Yeah, I got a full, another full time nanny who's going to take care of the two of us. So here we go. Ready? There's two of us. Ready for the math. The wife says to the husband, There's two of us. One woman will take care of me, one woman takes care of you. Shalom al Yisrael. She'll do your laundry, do man. No? Why do I got to do anything? So what's the Kiddush then? If the, math, if the math works out perfect this way. What's the Kiddush? What's the Kiddush? That what? You can keep going. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, yeah. Seven, good, seven, good, good. We're going to keep going. We will keep going. It's going to stop at four. I'm as we'll saying, see. So what's the Kiddush? Why? Okay. What's the Kiddush of what? What's the Kiddush? Why, why do you have to bring more and more cases? We already see that some sort of oh, mathematical... Hold on. Very good. So Gemara says, Mishum da Omar law, because the, because the husband is going to say to her... Kame arche uparche mai tarach. You hear this? What about all the guests? What about all the guests? Now that there's three people in the house and a fourth person that's here, oh, so now there's already a, you know, I'm already cooking for three people. What's a fourth? So now, what about all the, and this is beautiful, listen to this Lushan. Listen to the Lushan the Gemara. What about the archim and the parchim? You know what pireach means? To flutter away. Archim are people who stay in your house. People are there. It says, who's going to take care of the guests and the people who pass by? Meaning a husband could respond to the wife, granted there's a lot more help. But once we have now a home with four people in it, we have to take care of guests also. You can't only think about yourself. All right? So there's more hands needed. And this is so beautiful because you see from here, first of all, the work's never over. And it's so true. The more... The, the more people there are in a household, the more people there are in a community, the more needs arise. You can't just say, it's, it never happens that, oh, there's more people, so now there's so many more people taking care of those few things. No, the metzias of the way the Rebbein built the world is, the more people there are, so now you need another gemach. Now you need another, uh, uh, another society, another zach, and there's just more work that needs to be done. Okay? Then we said, Shalosh eina metzah Let's say she now brings in three. So what did the Mishnah say? She now has three helpers around the house. So she also doesn't need to make his bed. Before, we're talking about the woman making the husband's bed. Now remember, we mentioned making the bed is referring to preparing it for sleeping. It's not a regular household chore like straightening up a bed. It says, but, everything, but the other things, it implies that she still needs to do. Okay. Now, Remember, the mission said once she brings in four, she can sit on, on her recliner and on her lazy boy and take it easy. But three, she's still working. Why doesn't she say, No, I brought in a third helper to take care of all the guests and those passing through. The husband can still say to her, Guess what? The more people there are at the party, the more work needs to be done. 
If people know that there's five people in the house, so there's more guests, there's more of this, how true, right? You build a bigger house for your family. So now you have this, and, uh, and all of a sudden, the phone's ringing off the hook. I heard you have another bedroom. Maybe you could host these people for Shabbos. Maybe you have a bigger Shabbos table. Maybe that. And, and it's beautiful. That's what we are as a Kehillah. But Lemaise, it wasn't, the, it wasn't necessarily the person's original intention. But he's saying to his wife, all right, now five's a, five's a bigger party. The bigger the party there is, okay, it keeps going. If it says the Gemara, fine. Shkoyach. I get your idea. The more people, the more work. But then what did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah then said, if she brings in four, ah, she could chill with a margarita on, the, on a hammock and take it easy. So that's the Gemara. Even when she brings in four maid servants, how is she allowed to chill? She can't chill. There's even more people. Says the Gemara, this is even a bigger, more powerful message. Listen to this. Arba! Once you have four, ready for this? Once you have four members of your staff, they now work with each other to accomplish more than what needs to be done. Such a halaga concept. As we know, if one person can lift 50 pounds, two people can lift 150 pounds. It's true with Ruchnias as well. You could grow by yourself. You're growing with another, with another yid. You're growing with the chabura. You're growing. Eh? It's a different veld. You, the amount you could accomplish is, is tenfold more, if not even more, than what a person comes individually. So there's a fascinating, this is such a, this is something that, that really we need to allow to percolate, right? Where there's a certain point where more people can actually prove to be more work. But then at a certain point where you have a staff, where you have chavra, that are mamish working together, now you have four, they can, that's a number where people can now work with each other enough to take care of everything that, that needs to be taken care of, <clears throat> and she can just relax. Now we're going to clarify this. Omar Rav Khan, Rav Khan explains. Listen to what Rav Khan says, huh? She has to keep selling. Uh, Omar Rav Khan, Rav Khan says, bar um, Some say it was Rav Khan, some say it was Rav Khan, mamish, so first we want to say, it doesn't need to be she actually brought four maidservants, three maidservants, two maidservants, one into the marriage. But if there's enough money which make, that she's bringing into the marriage, which makes her fit to have the help, so also she doesn't need to do the chores. She could say to her husband, listen, I brought a dowry into the marriage. Let, use the money to get these helpers. You can't, you can't have me do this. We learned This is true. Whether she's coming in with a specific maidservant or money, or whether she actually saves up. A wife can save up from her own money and say to her and bring somebody into the house and say to the husband, No, now these uh, these responsibilities are taken care of. I'm gonna I'm gonna sip, I'm going on vacation for a little bit. I'm going on vacation. As long as this is done, a woman has, a wife has a right to, to uh, remove herself. Okay. But now we're going to get into what Rabbi Nachum brought up. And that is, so what are you doing? Sitting around and wasting your life? Right? Or, or, or are you spinning wool? Yeah. What are you doing? That we discussed the minimum of uh, f- five, uh, f- um, the, the five slime that a wife needs to produce over here. So, so wh- wh- what's going to happen now? Huh? So let's see. We said, if there's four maidservants, so let her sit on her easy chair. Let her sit on her recliner. Shalom al Yisrael. Here we go. Even though the Chum say that she could 
chill, she could relax. She still has to dilute the wine, which means she has to prepare wine for him, to prepare his bed for sleeping, and wash his face, hands, and feet. Now, Rashi says, what are these things? So listen to this, it's so beautiful. We know these things from harchakos, from distances that between husband and wife at a time of nida, a wife's not allowed to prepare wine for her husband, right? Or make his bed, or... Or a wash. Why? Because these things are signs of chiba. And as we always mention when discussing harchakos, things that were put in place to create distances, if Chazal tell us that these things need to be put in place, that means a couple, whenever they're not in a state of distancing, must do them. Even though you don't even understand why. Meaning, must do them means, this is going to enhance your marriage. If it says harchakas is she shouldn't pour him wine in general at the Shabbos table, huh? that means at the Shabbos table when, when, they're, when we're not nida and we're not separated, pour that wine. If harchakas says don't sit next to each other on the same cushion during nida, that means if you're not nida, davka sit. It's going to bring feelings of closeness. That's what a couple's supposed to do. Fakert, go do, go play game, go do these things, right? Because, because our, our manufacturer is letting us know what brings feeling of closeness. So it's letting us know that even though she doesn't need to do these chores around the house, she's still obligated, and here's the main idea, to show her husband she cares about him. And the way she does that back then was pouring him wine. Now, if anybody here is going to go home, or some of you are at home on Zoom, but if anybody here is going to go home and say to your wife, uh, you know, it says uh, you're supposed to wash my face, hands, and feet, uh, don't blame me. Yeah? Fakert. Anybody's wife wants to do that? You know, you should tell your wife, eh, no, thank you. It's not our society. It's not the way it works. Right? The, the idea that Gemara is, is letting us know over here is a wife's still responsible to do specific things for their spouse and husbands for wives as well that show them we care about them. Amr of Yisak Barchanani, Amr of Huna. says in the name of Ravuna. Any malacha that a woman does for her husband, nida isla bala, a nida also could do for her husband. Meaning the list of seven things, regular chores around the house, a nida should do, except for preparing the wine, but preparing the bed. Now preparing the bed again, I want to explain. Back then, they, before bedtime, they used to fluff up each other's pillows and prepare it. It was, it was a sign of affection. Right, you'd like you know pull back the sheets, pull back the blanket. It was a way of showing uh, showing uh, interest in each other at nighttime. Um, and also, Anida does not wash the face, hands, and feet of the husband. What about making the bed? It's only in front of him. If he's not there, there's no issue whatsoever. Because again, we're going to consider that to be a regular household uh, chore. It's regular maintenance. What about preparing the wine? Mizikas HaKais literally means diluting the wine because as we know back then they had wine concentrate and that's how they would prepare for each other. Shmuel Machalfalei Debisu Bida Shmuel. So interestingly, in order to continue to show affection, Shmuel's wife, when she was Nida, would prepare the wine but she would serve it Biyada Deshmola with her left hand which is the source of the halacha that you use a shino. That you pour, if, you, if you're going to need a pour, you do with a, with a way of a, of a shinoi. So this is interesting because the spouses would make sure to still find ways to show affection. 
Right? But they would do it differently in a way that was Mutter Abaye Manchale Apuma de Kuva. Also, Abaye's wife would, um, would do it also with a Shino. He wouldn't put it directly in front of him, would put it with the, uh, with the, near a, um, the edge of the cup. Rava Abi Sadia and Rava's wife would put it uh, near the pillow that they would lean on, you know, when they would sit down. Rav Papa, Arshar Shifa, and Rav Papa's wife would put it on the, on the chair. Arshar Shifa is like some sort of bench. That uh, that they used to sit on. Stigmar is letting us know different ways that it, that uh, you know couples could continue to show affection, caring, appreciation for each other, and should do even during times of need. Amar Rav Yisroch Barchanania, Amar Rav Huna. Rav Yisroch says in the name of Rav Huna, Kol Mashim Bifnei Hashamish. We're now going to shift into a, um, a a very interesting sugya, which has to do with how to treat servers, how to treat waiters, because once we're talking about serving each other, right, and doing it in a unique way to make it permitted to serve, if somebody's serving you, how do you do it in a way, how do you treat that person, all right? And this is going to lead us onto saying Shas Katan, it's going to lead us into so many uh, uh, various angles of Beinal Machavira, really how to treat people. Now, we show up to Kiddush and Shul, right? We come to Kiddush and Shul. What do you do at Kiddush and Shul? You fress. You eat. Who's putting the food out? Doesn't really matter. Nobody's thinking about them. But if you do think about it, you'll realize there are hired workers being paid by the hour that are working late on a Friday night, early on a Saturday morning. I would assume they're not the wealthiest out there. They're working now for a reason. But how many people even like think that they exist? They're usually wallpaper. We're not thinking about, oh, what's going on with the server? So here we go. Says the Gemara, this is how a Yid's supposed to live. You ready? Omar Rav Yisok Barchanani, Omar Rav Huna. Rav says, in the name of Rav Huna, Hakol mashin b'fnei hashamish. Chot mi bosar v'yayin. Everything could wait for the, uh, before the meal in front of the shamish, except for bosar v'yayin. What does that mean? Any food that you serve, you can tell the waiter you'll eat later. Meat and wine, however, when the server is serving meat and wine, they can eat from it immediately. It's not nice to make them wait. These types of things, you know what we'll call it? Tsar Balachayim. Everyone else is fressing away and eating the meat and the wine and the, the server's got to wait. No, the cakes could wait. The kugel could wait. The meat and the wine, you can't withhold from them. Amr of Chiz, Chiz says, Basar shamin v'yayin yashon. This is talking about gishmak of fatty meat. And older wine, you should know fatty meat, that's all the time. That's during the Tammuz, the summer season. And apparently Rashi explains then during the summer season, the smells, it's much stronger and the smells lead to a lot more. This is going to be a big word for the next little bit. It's going to lead to craving. And since it's a time where it's going to lead to specific cravings, you're not allowed to withhold it from from the uh, from the shamish from the waiter. Amar of Anubar Tachlifa, of Anubar Tachlifa says, "Have a kamino kamei de Shmuel." I was standing in front of Shmuel. Va'isilei Tavshila de Arde. You should know they brought Shmuel Tavshila de Arde. Arde is a mushroom. They brought him some food made out of mushroom. Ve'ilei. Now one of the one of the most difficult things about being a naive yeshiva bacher is if you go to a fancy party and you cut into your geshmaka big meat and it turns out to be a mushroom. <laughs> you ever like go to a party they have like these big fancy mushrooms like ah, 
And then you're like, oh, you think it's like a steak or something. You know, it turns out it's a big portobello mushroom. Crazy. Yeah, right. So they, they brought him mushroom. And listen to this. It was a good one. It was a good one. The ilav, the yavli. And if he wouldn't have, if Shmuel wouldn't have given me some of that mushroom, it's tachni, it would have been a sakona. It would have been dangerous. Yeah? Amar meaning cravings are a real thing. The mission of us lets us know that one of the miraculous things in the Beis HaMikdash is that a pregnant woman never had a craving for the meats. So that, because otherwise we would have to give it to her. You know, there are some things that they put out there like women, you know, make up. One of the jokes they say is that it was a, uh, a guy goes to a, uh, they're having their first kid. So they go, he goes to a pregnancy class. You know, so as part of the class, the teaching, the couples had to understand, as part of the class, so the instructor has all the husbands put, put like a big uh, weight on their belly. You know, a big bump on their belly. And he says, uh, he says, do I have any volunteers? Yeah, so uh, this guy Jacob raises his hand. He'll volunteer. He says, all right, Jacob, I want you to, he throws a pen on the floor. He says, Jacob, I want you to pick up that pen as if you're pregnant. So Jacob says, you sure? He says, yeah. So he says, okay. He looks at his wife. He's like, honey, pick that up for me. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> All right, weiter. Say, so, all right, but it's real. Cravings are a, are a real thing, and specifically during pregnancy. Amr of Ashir of Ashir says, Have a of Kahana. I was standing in front of Kahana. They, they brought him uh, turnips in vinegar. And if he wouldn't have shared those turnips in vinegar with me, also, it would have mamash been a sakana. It would have been a tremendous sakana, meaning it's, it's, a, it's a Baruch Hashem. He shared it with me. Now, why are we saying this? Again, because we're saying how you got to treat a waiter. A waiter's out there, there's food in his face. And we're like, no, you got to work 60 minutes on the hour. No, 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 no. Tsar Balachayim, and it's dangerous. Rav Papa Omar, Rav Papa says, Afilu tarmasta dihinuna. Even a, um, even a, uh, a date that is very juicy. Klalo Dimbosa, uh, bottom line is, here's the cloud, here's the general rule, called the Islay Recha, the Islay Kihusa, anything that has a Geshmaka smell, and anything that, um, that has a, uh, a Kihusa, it leads to a lot of saliva. It makes you salivate. Okay? Anything that makes you uh, uh, salivate, the halacha is, you gotta allow the person to have. You gotta allow, a, 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 even if they're a hired waiter. Okay? Says the Gemara Maisa, Avua Barihi, Uben Yamin Barihi, two brothers. Avua, the son of Ihi, and. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Where, where, where are you, Prince, where are you? Oh, I ask myself that question every day. We are four lines from the bottom of Samach Aleph, Amad Aleph. Avua Barihi and Minyamin Barihi. Right at the beginning of the fourth. Yeah, go ahead. And, and number two. Yeah. Uh, what are you saying about. Do you have to let the waiter, do you let the help eat your meal? Yeah. If, you're ser- if, you have a, if you have a server and that person is serving food to you that has an incredible smell or an incredible taste, yeah. the host is obligated to allow that server to partake of the food. Before you get it. So if it's like meat and wine at the time that they're serving it, if it's something else, then it could wait till the end. If it's a type of thing that'll make him sal- that'll make him or her salivate and create a craving for, to a point where it's like a real sakana, you're gonna have to allow them to eat immediately. Otherwise, you're obligated to feed them, but you could wait. We're gonna see a story soon 
about Aliyo Hanavi, but that's the halacha. Yeah, it seems anybody. Anybody. That's why when we go to the dinners in Lakeland, we don't have to worry. Okay, okay. Let's see this Misa. Listen to this. Two brothers, one of them was careful to allow his waiter to eat each course of the meal. They served fish, he got fish. They served soup, he got soup. He would eat and then he would serve. The Chad, the other brother, No, he, you know, what do you like better? Fish, meat, or soup? What do you like? Server says, I like soup. Okay, so you can eat soup. But I'm not going to feed you all my food. Right? It's enough. He didn't feed him everything. Listen to this. Mar The brother who would allow his server to eat each course was Zaycha. Two big tzaddikim. Two brothers. But one had the sensitivity to his servers. Eliyahu Novi showed up. The other one, Eliyahu Novi, would have shown up for him. Yeah, that's the difference between Eliyahu Novi showing up or not showing up. Okay, you hear this? Hanu Chay Chasid, another Maisa. There were two Chasid, the Mamila Mari Barbara Pichas Barachista, one was Mari Pichas, Sandra Pichista, Mark Kodam Sofi, and one also would allow his server to eat right away. Umar Ma'achar Sofi, the one would make him wait after the meal. The Kodam Sofi, Eliyahu Mishloi Badei, the one who would allow his server to eat in the beginning, Eliyahu Novi would come to visit him. The Ma'achar Sofi, Eliyahu Mishloi Badei, another one, Eliyahu Novi, would not come to visit him. Amemar Barzuch and Ravashi. Amemar Barzuch and Ravashi, Have Kayosvi, Apischad Debei, Izgor Malka. They were sitting at the entrance of the palace of Izgor the king. Chalif Ve'ozil, he was a non-Jewish king. Chalif ve'ozil aturagna de Malka. And the, the butlers, the stewards, the butlers, would uh, come by carrying the food to the king. This is what happened, ready? You have three, three, uh, three um, Amiram. They're visiting this Gaiusha king's palace. And these servers were walking by carrying Gishmaka food. Chaziel Rav Ashrei Rav Ashi LeMarzucha turned to the top of the base. The Chazer Lape. He saw that his face became pale. He saw Marzutra was starting to get sick because he didn't have a taste of the food that was being brought to the king. Shokal Etzba Ase. So you know what he did. You know what he did. Look, Rav Ashi did. As the server's schlepping the food to the king, Ravasi stuck his hand into the plate, grabbed some food, and shoved it into Marzutra's mouth. He's getting sick. Listen to this. Omar Lay, the server says, uh, excuse me, Afsid Lasud Malka, you just destroyed the king's meal. The king does not take germs. He's not touching this food anymore. And you are going to get your head cut off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Listen to this. And they said to him, what, what are you thinking? Omar Luhu, Sarvashi says, oh, well, everybody chill. One second. I want to tell you something. Whoever put this food together should be fired. They said, why? Omar Luhu, I saw Dabar Acher in the food. I saw Dover Acher. <laughs> Dover Acher can mean a few things. 
can either mean, sometimes we call Dabar Acher a P-I-G, yeah? It could also be referring to um, Tsaras. Rashi gives a couple of explanations over here. Dabar Acher means something else, something that didn't belong there. So he says, you're about to serve, whoever prepared this food was about to serve the king something that was, that was like poisonous for him, something that was terrible for him. They looked at the plate and they didn't see any problem. Like, well, you just made that up. <laughs> What's your problem? So, um, he took the finger of the cook and he touched the finger to a piece of meat. Did you look at this piece? And they, they, they checked that piece of meat and they found Dover Acher. Whatever wasn't supposed to be there, they found it on the meat. You hear this? So he sticks his hand to save his friend Marzutra. They come to him and he makes up a total Baba Maizu. And he's saved by a miracle. So Amrulay Rabbanan, the Rabbanan said, My time Samach Sanisa. Why'd you rely on a miracle? You're not allowed to do that. Omar Luhu, and he says, Chazoy Ruach Tsaras, the Kaparchi Love. I saw a spirit of Tsaras. That was near the head of the cook. So apparently, as I'm sorry, of uh, upon the head of Marzutra. So he took this. Rav Ashi saw when Marzutra was getting sick. There was like uh, some ruach, which apparently is not a miracle in, in their circles, right? Some sort of ruach that he noted, which let him led him to know that that, that that's what he's supposed to say. That he's that that's the claim he's supposed to make. Okay. That's the story. But what do you see from this story? I mean, there's obviously much deeper reasons why Gemaras give us some stories. But the main idea for our Gemara is, you see from over here, that when somebody has a real craving for something, you see them starting to get sick, you got to make sure they eat right away. Okay. There was a Roman. To Omar Lola, he itza. He said to a woman, listen to this proposal. You ready? Menastli, marry me. Umrolei, loy. She said, nope. Azil, he went. I say money. There's going to be a very romantic proposal. You ready? He went and he bought pomegranates. Pole, he peeled them. V'achal kama, and he sat in front of her and ate them. Now apparently she loved pomegranates. I have a friend, this is a true story. Obviously, unique type of guy. That must be an incredible guy. He was on a date. <laughs> He's on a date. And the young lady pulls out a piece of spearmint gum from her purse and she starts chewing gum. Okay. So he says to her, you're not going to offer me any? She says, uh, it's my last piece. He reaches into his back pocket. and (laughs) Only him. He pulls out a handful of jelly beans from his back pocket. Stuffs it in his mouth. (laughs) He's like, ask me if you can have some because you can't. (laughs) Ask me if you can have some. I was like, how do you have jelly beans in your back pocket on a date? Like, what's your deal? All right. So this guy knows this woman's weakness. Yeah? This guy knows the woman's weakness. She loves pomegranates. So he, peel, he goes, he peels open pomegranates, and he starts eating it in front of her. All right? 
She had all the maya, all the water, all the saliva that came together in her mouth. She would swallow, okay, and it was causing her a lot of pain. She was getting this craving. And he, he um, wouldn't give her any pomegranate until the zogla. Zogla means like she, she, was, she was like bloating. She was bloating. She was really getting like physically ill. Okay, and then he gave her some pomegranates. Once he saw her being sick, he let her eat the pomegranate. He didn't want her to die. Okay. Lesaif, I told you, it's going to be a very romantic proposal. Lesaif, then he said, if, if I help you get better, will you marry me? Amrolay in. She says, okay, fine. <laughs> she, uh, her stomach's exploding. She doesn't know how to handle this, right? She's like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll marry you. Ozil I say money. So he went and he got some more pomegranates. Poli kama, and he opened it and ate them in front of her. And Amarla Komaya de Tsarasla if uh, as you salivate while I eat, Komaya de Tsaralach, the the new saliva that's causing you pain now from your new craving, Taif Shidai, Taif Shidai, keep spitting it out. Until in one of her cough up a phlegm, she spit out some sort of uh, some sort of um, uh, a, a piece that looked uh, like a green piece that looked like it came from a palm tree. The itasiat and and uh, that healed her. She became better. Period. End of that story. All right. I, it doesn't say she really married him. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> It could be afterwards she said she changed, she, I'm assuming she said I changed my mind. And I don't think that's such a, a romantic proposal. But again, another Misa about, uh, the, about what, what cravings can really do to a person. Okay. Vaisa Tzamer. And um, a, a, a woman, even if she has all this help, she still has to spin the wool. But Tzamer in Befishtim Lai. It says she has to work with wool, which seems she doesn't need to work with linen, with flax. Masnisin money, who's the town of our Mishnah? Rabbi Yehudi, it's Rabbi Yehudi, the town of the Brisa. Enoi kaifeha loy lamay lefnei aviv, loy lamay lefnei benoi. A husband is not allowed to force his wife to stand, to, to take care of his father or his son, loy litin tevin lefnei behemtai, or feed his animals. He can't say, oh, a wife has to help feed her husband, right? It says she grinds for him, she bakes for him. He can't say, yeah, and take care of my father too. He can't demand that of her. He can't demand to take care of his children. He can't demand that she takes care of his animals. But he can, he can uh, you know, force her to give straw in front of his bukar, in front of his, uh, in front of his uh, cattle. Because there's no real downside to that. Rashi gets on to the... The issue, perhaps, of of Arias and and you know not getting close to either people or animals, face but Bukar apparently you know uh, is not going to be is not going to be an issue. There's no downside to that, so she's she would be obligated to help him out. That's what the, that's what uh, the Tanakhama says. Rebuta says af in a kafefes lasis pepishin. Let me tell you something. She, you also cannot a husband cannot force his wife. To work with flax slash linen, because working with flax causes um, causes bad breath, helitosis, 
and also causes swelling of the lips. And this is only true with flax that comes from Rome. Flax that comes from Rome apparently leads to halitosis and leads the lips to swell up, which leads to another joke, another maiza, that they say about a a mekubal, uh, a uh, um, a Kabbalist who lived in Tzfat, and he was so ascetic, he was so above and beyond this world, that he would walk around barefoot, which caused tremendous calluses on his feet, and he would fast every day, he would only eat at night, which caused um, helitosis, yeah, he caused, caused the helitosis, bad breath, and uh, and that's how he lived. That's how he lived. He was very very frail, very uh, very frail person. So he became known as you ready, the super calloused, fragile mystic with extra helitosis. Okay, fine. Here we go. Viter, Viter in Gemara. All right, Rebbe Eliezer Oimer. I don't know where my mind's going tonight. Rebbe Eliezer Oimer. Rabbi Ezer says, the next part of the Mishnah, even if she brings in a hundred shvachais, you can't sit on a hammock and do nothing with your life. A wife has to be productive. And therefore, she has to at least produce some sort of value within wool. You can't sit around and do nothing. Amar of Malchiyah, Amar of Adabar Abba, Halacha, Rabbi This is Taka the Halacha. No matter how much help, a woman has around the house, she must at least do something with her day. Now, it could be small. And I think this is a beautiful concept. You know, let, take that me. This is not small at all. But you know, part of the beauty of that is that for a lot of us, it's the anchor of our day. What time's daf? Okay, now I know what time daf is. I know what time everything else is, right? What time's mincha? I know everything else again. Even if you have something that's not the whole day, but it's set and it's constant and it's always, so it's anchoring our productivity. So maybe she has all the help. Maybe she's not going to have to work too hard. But chaj, at least you got to do something. You got to do something that's anchoring productivity for your day. Amr of Chanina bar Braid Ravika, Chanina bar Ravika says, Shfaid Shfachais, the Gumais Rav Malchiai. Okay? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, okay. So Amma, yeah, so Rav Malchiai says, the halacha is like Rabbi Eliezer. All right? And now Amr of Chanina Braid Ravika, Chanina Braid Ravika says, Shpud, the halacha of a, the halacha of a Shpud. Um, the halach of a shpud is a shpud literally means a spit. It's something that's used to cook meat on, kind of like a rotisserie. They make shawarma like that. And once you eat the meat on on uh, yomtif, the spit itself becomes muktzah. Becomes muktzah. Okay. Now there's a there's there's a uh, um, there's a Reb Malchiyai or Reb Malchiyai, as we're going to see says that actually. It doesn't become, um, it's, it's, it's muktzah, he agrees it's muktzah, but he says 
it's muktza in a way where it's mius, where it's gonna if it's in a place that's going to be repulsive to people. So then, and this is halacha lemaisa, right? If you have something that's dirty, whatever, you're allowed to move it to the side with the shinoi. So the halacha of a shpud, that even though it's muktza being moved away because it's dirty, off to the side, and also the halacha of shvachais ve gumais, okay? That's uh, it's referring to how to uh, how to know if somebody is mamish in shvachais uh, is the halacha that we had earlier one one maid servant two maid servants three maid servants four um, and uh, and gumais is when a woman reaches adulthood how do we know which hairs are considered really pubic hairs shpud shvachais v'gumais rav malchiyai those halachas were taught by rav malchiyai biluris the halachas of biluris. And this had some fascinating uh, outcomes in uh, about a decade ago when people were saying that some shaitals were cut for avodazaras. But um, there's uh, certain parts of a hair that you're not allowed to cut on somebody who's, uh, who serves avodazara because that's like, consider their avodazara dikhi hairs. You can't be mishtatif in it. Afer and ashes, okay? Ashes is back, uh, there, there used to be a custom if somebody would get a cut they would close up the wound with ashes. Now the issue is, when they would do that, it would leave a permanent mark on the skin, so it would create a tattoo-like type of thing. So that's uh, forbidden to do. Um, uh, Biluris uh, afer, that mikla uh, ugvina is ramachiyah. So the ashes, and also the halacha of, of uh, cheese, that you're not allowed to eat any cheese made by... Uh, made by a non-Jew, which leads to non-Jewish milk and things of that sort. That was all halachas of Malchiyah. Papa and Papa says, Mastisinu, Mastisinu, Ramalchiyah, Shmaitzer, Ramalchiyah, Bissaminach, and the way to remember is Ramalchiyah, Ramalchiyah, Masnisah, Malkisah. The, the Brisa is from the Malkiyah. Okay, that's from, instead, with an Aleph at the end, instead of a Vav at the end. My Beinayu, Ika Beinayu, Shvachis, the difference is going to be the halacha of shvachis, the halacha of the um, the maid servants. Okay, Rav Shimon Gamliel Rav Shimon ben Gamliel says v'chulu hainu tanekama. Rav Shimon Gamliel says that this is now getting at, uh, into the vows that a couples make about each other to be forbidden to gain any sort of benefit. So if he says my wife is not allowed to do any work around uh, around the house. Rav Shimon Gamliel says. You're obligated to divorce her because you're making her a nut. You're making her a shaiti. You're making her. You're making her nuts. You, you you can't say that my wife can't do anything around the house. People will go crazy like that. If you don't let them do anything, they'll go nuts. Says the Gemara. Tanakama. The Tanakama earlier in the Mishnah, we said also even if she has four shvachais, she needs to at least work with wool. So what's the difference between them? Um Kiti kitai kitain yasa vinadrishir vinadrishir. Okay. So ika binayu dimitala bigur yasa katani yasa vikandashir. So what's this? So Rashi explains. If we were to look at the last Rashi before the Mishnah, misachekes biklovim. What about a woman who's not doing anything productive, but she's out playing with dogs? All right. She she takes the dog for a walk. Which apparently is translated into chess. 
So you have chess, like the game of chess, you know? So you have a woman who's not sitting around doing nothing. She's not sitting around doing anything that's going to be productive in the house. So if the reason is that we're ner- nervous, she's going to go nuts. All right, well, she won't go nuts if, she's, if, if her mind is distracted playing, uh, other th- playing games or playing something else. All right? However, if the reason is, is that we're concerned it's going to lead to zima, it's going to lead to immorality, you have the same problem. Because if she's not doing anything productive with her time and she's, and she's just playing games and doing this, and then there's still the concern about leading to zima. Okay, period. End of that Gemara. Fascinating stuff. Here we go. Next mission. Hamadir If a husband says, my wife is forbidden to have relations, to have intercourse with me. Bishama Yomrim, Bishamai says, okay, Shtei Shabbosais, Biso Yomrim, Shabbos Achas. All right, what's going on here? So this is a, we, we shouldn't really give an introduction. Let's give an, let's give an introduction and restart the mission. We learned that every husband is biblically responsible to his wife with She'er, Ksos, Va'inam. Okay? What's Aina? Aina is relations. Now, it's not really relations. The truth is, if you want to talk marriage, you can have a couple that has a large family, is having relations, you know, uh, all the time, and the husband's never fulfilling his mitzvah because he's not there to give his wife the triple A. Attention, affection, appreciation. He's not, he's not there to spend time with his wife. He's not there to focus on his wife. He's there, take a whatever, take care of himself, take care of uh, whatever he wants to do. But he's not there for her. Okay. So there, but there's a chiyavayna. There's a chiyav for a husband to focus on his wife. Now, the, it's meant to end with relations with each other because that leads to intimacy. All right? Now, so the Torah says a couple must be intimate together. A husband makes a vow. My wife cannot be intimate with me. Does that vow work? Or do we say you're being masna al-masha You can't make a vow about something the Torah obligates you in. What right do you have to do that? All right? Interesting. So with that, let's start the Mishnah. Because we're going to get into how often. How often is a couple obligated to be together? Okay. So how often they need to be together? So let's start the Mishnah again. A person says, I'm taking a vow. I am forbidding me from having Tashmish Amita with my wife. Okay. So Beishamai says, Shtei Bishamai says what he meant was and what will be effective is for once every two weeks. Meaning the nether could last for up to two weeks. Because once two weeks passed, now you're biblically obligated to be together. All right? If, and if you don't, you got to get. Beishol says no, Shabbos Achas. 
if it's longer than a week, if it's longer than one week, you don't need to get divorced. If, it's, if it is for more than that, then you got to get divorced. Because you can't do that. Hatamidim, yaitzim l'talmatayra, shalai b'rishos, a student of Tyre is allowed to leave home to go study Tyre, okay? Even without their wife giving permission for that or being happy about it um, for up to 30 days. They don't need to come home for 30 days, okay? Now that's if he's out of town. So if he's out of town, he's only responsible in Aina once a month. If he's in town, it's once a week. But that's, the Mishnah's here saying if he's out of town, once a month. A person who's, uh, you know, he's a blue-collar blue worker, is that what they say? A guy goes out there and, you know, he's working the land, working the mines, whatever he's doing. So they're obligated in the midst of Aina at least once a week. Now, interestingly, that's the minimum. There's no maximum. There's no maximum, but that's the minimum. That's your minimum responsibility to be with one's wife. When the Torah says that a husband is obligated in the midst of Aina. So if your job is to be a tayol, a tayol could be anything which is not too much emotional or physical uh, abilities are needed. So you're able to spend more time with your wife. So be with your wife every day. A donkey driver who's traveling a little bit, right? Once a week. Camels travel a little further. They're obligated to be with their wives every 30 days. Sailors, they're usually out there for a while, out on the waters. They're obligated to come home once every six months to be with their wives. Divrei Rebbe Eliezer. This is all the opinion of Rebbe Elias. Okay? Says the Gemara. My time with the Beishamai. What's the reason for Beishamai? Now Beishamai said that if the vow lasts longer than two weeks, they get divorced. Because you already are at your end responsibility of Aina. Says the Gemara. Gamrei, they learn it out. Mi'aladas keva. From the halacha of a woman who gives birth to a girl. Where the Torah says, there's two weeks of impurity. Now, practically speaking, nowadays we wait until seven days after any sort of bleeding from the birth stops. But in the Torah, the biblical Tumah ends after 14 days. Ubeisil Gamri, and Beisil learns it out from Yelad Zachar. From a woman who gives birth to a Zachar, where they're not allowed to be together for seven days. Okay? Says the Gemara, I don't understand. Why is Beishamai choosing to learn out from a Nekeva, which is 14 days, and Beishel is learning it out from a Zachar, from a woman who gives birth to a male, which is seven days. Beishel, Nami, Nignum, Lez, Nekeva. Why do, you see by a girl, you have up to two weeks of not being together. <coughs> so why is Beishel saying that you only have up to one week? If Basil would actually use that as the source, giving birth would be the source of, of uh, the time frame, then you're right. He would have learned it out from the Keva. Basil actually learns it out from the laws of Nida. And Nida is seven days. He says, it's for seven days. Fine. So what we've established right now is a couple's obligated to be together 
Bishamai says two weeks. You can't make a vow longer than that. Bishol says one week. Why does Bishamai say two weeks? It learns out from birth. Bishol learns it out one week from Nida. Why? Why are they arguing like this? Listen, Nida happens every month. Okay? And therefore, a nether, a vow, which could be made by anybody, is going to be learned from something that's more common. Umar Savar, and the other opinion is, which is going to be Beishamai, Let's learn out something which the husband brought about, the husband caused, which is the vow. He's the one who made the vow, saying that he's forbidden to, to uh, have relations from something else that he caused. What's that? The birth of a child. He doesn't cause Nida, but why isn't a woman a Nida? Why is a woman given birth? It's his fault. Right? It's his fault. He's the one who caused the pregnancy, since he's the one who caused it. So we learn out something that is his, that he brought about, something that he caused, which is the vow, from something that he caused, which is the birth. Oh, fine, Lamaisa, Machlekes between Beishamai and Beis Hillel. Amar Rav, Rav says, Machlekes b'mefarish. The Machlekes between Beishamai and Beis Hillel, about whether it's up to one week or two weeks, is when he was specific. Mefarish, he was explicit. He was specific on how long they're not allowed to be together. Avol b'stan. Let's say a husband just says, plain. My wife and I are forbidden to have relations together. Everyone will agree. That day, we go to Besdin and write a ksuba. Not write a ksuba. You write a get, and he gives her the ksuba. He doesn't, she doesn't need to stay with him nothing. Shmuel Amar Shmuel says, No, even stam, you could still wait up to a week or two weeks. You shouldn't jump into this. You know why? Maybe you'll find an opening for the nether. Meaning, maybe you could save this marriage. And at a certain point, maybe a few days later, you can have an expert or a bezdin of three come and ask him questions and maybe he'll remove his vow. So don't jump that day so fast into a, uh, into a get. Okay. Says the Gemara, fine. Lemaisa, we have Tanoyim, Beishamai Beishilol arguing. Yeah. And we also said that there's a Machlekes Amairoim now. Um, uh, Rav and Shmuel are arguing about when Beisami and Beisil argue. Says the Gemara, We already had this same Machlekes elsewhere, and therefore there's no need to argue about this twice. Now, what do you mean we have the same Machlekes elsewhere? Let's see. The Tanan, because we learned in a Mishnah. Hamadir es Ishtai, a person who makes a vow about his wife, he says, My wife cannot. Gain any sort of pleasure from me for 30 days. I make a vow. She will never, she will not gain a thing from me for 30 days. So what do we say? Yamid parnes. So we, we stand up. We set up a supporter. We set up a supporter. Okay. Now, we'll see. Rashi's bothered over here. We'll see. Even if he sets up somebody to support her, that's also a benefit. So we'll see how that works. But since he can't directly have her benefit, he's still obligated to get somebody else to make sure she's taken care of. Yaisir Mikan, what happens if it's more than 30 days? Yaisir Mikan, so divorce time. 
and she gets a folks over. Via Marab, and Rab says about this Mishnah, that's when it was explicit for 30 days. Let's say he just said, My wife's, never gonna be- my wife's not going to benefit. He didn't give a time frame. We should wait because maybe we'll find a way to remove the vow. So the same machlaikas about a guy who says she will never benefit is the same as a person saying that, that, that uh, my wife and I are forbidden to have relations together. Why do you need to argue about this twice? Answer the Gemara Tzricha. It's necessary. I'll tell you why. If we would have only said the original machlekes of our Mishnah, which is a guy makes a nether, then my wife's not going to benefit from, uh, it's not going, we can't have relations. I'll say, Yeah, Rav says over there, you got to divorce her. You know why? What, what else are you going to do? Have somebody else have relations with her? She's an Asia sis. She can't do that. There's no other way around this. Right? If it's not you, she's out of here. But when you said she can't benefit from me, she can still live. It's not like she's going to die. Somebody else can take care of her. Maybe he'll agree with Shmuel. You don't need a divorce right away. And if I would have said the Machlekes, when he says she can't benefit from me, I would say, That's what Shmuel says. Don't divorce immediately because there's somebody to take care of her. But in case number one, where he says we can't have marital relations, maybe he'll say divorce immediately. Because there's nobody else that can have rela- that, that could take your place for the mitzvahina. So therefore, Tricha, we need to mention the machlekas in both places. Beautiful. Let's just wrap up the daf. The Mishnah said, "Hatamidim that a student of Tyra is allowed to leave his wife for up to thirty days. Birshus come if she doesn't give him permission. What happens if she gives him permission to go learn? So how long is he allowed to be out of the house for without his mitzvahina? Answers the Gemara. What do you mean? Come with the boy. However long she gave him permission. She's Michael. What's the problem? So the Gemara says, no, no, no. Fine. Your wife wants to be like Rabbi Akiva's wife, Rachel, right? She lets her husband leave for 24 years. You're allowed to leave. Fine. But ask the Gemara, top of tomorrow's daf. Orcha demilsa kama. Even if your wife gives you permission, it doesn't mean you should just leave for the next 50 years. So what's normal? What's the right thing? I'm out to learn Tyra. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to develop our family. Make ourselves the best. Bring home Tyra. Make sure the best we can be. And that means I have to be out of town learning in yeshiva. What's the proper amount of time for somebody in that setting to be away before they come home? And we'll stop with that question. Bezim, tomorrow we will pick up with a, uh, with a couple of answers to that Shiloh. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.